Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. I am Ben. And we're here to bring you our news, notes, and random thoughts from around the world of sports. Episode 50. Technically episode one. New name, new logo, whole nine yards. But same show. Just, you know, figured we would uh, add to our repertoire of sports we can discuss. Expand our universe. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're going to start with a topic back when we were just football, you tried to get me into, and I I, I pushed it away because it was a baseball topic. Uh, however, uh, we have had, uh, in our recent fan questioning, we did have this topic brought up. Is Kurt Schilling a Hall of Famer? And I said yes. I said no. However, I don't think I was right. Why is that? I mean, I, I looked at the numbers, and I'm, I'm I'm kind of a slave to certain milestones when it comes to baseball, and one of them being 300 wins. I think if you're a starting okay. pitcher in Hall of Fame, you need 300 wins. That's kind of the old archaic way of thinking, no. Uh, it is apparently, but why I think he is is you have to pair his regular season regular seasons wins with his playoff uh, uh, profile, if you will. I just think he did too much in the postseason not to if if he's right at the edge, that pushes him over the edge, in my opinion. The baseball writers have not seen that, um, in my in my opinion, uh, because he is on God. It's got to be tenth. It's almost. I think this is tenth year coming in uh, coming up this year on the ballot, and I think it's his last or close to his last. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know he was pretty close last year, but. There's two reasons why he's he's being left on the off the uh, ballot or out of the Hall of Fame is some people don't like his stats and most people don't like him. I think the second one is the one that's keeping him out more than anything, especially when it comes to the baseball writers. He was not always the most lovable guy in the world. And I yeah, you, you mentioned ten years on the ballot. I don't know if it's been quite that long. He retired in 2007, add five years to that, 2012 would be his okay. first year of eligibility, and then uh, 2020 now. So we're going on his, his seventh or eighth, depending on when, when the timeline matches up, his seventh or eighth offseason out of the game. So um, actually, no, it should be in the season now, so that wouldn't, yeah, it would be eighth. Yeah. See, all this, all this no sports has me all thrown off. I agree. Way off. I keep thinking it's different times of year than it is. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, I, I think, honestly, you made a good point. It comes down to more of people not liking him and, unfortunately, his political beliefs, which you know, we're not going to get into on this show. That's that's not for this show. You don't come here to listen to politics. Um, but I just think people put too much weight on that instead of saying, hey, Look what a guy did on the field. Right. That's what you should be looking at. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. 
will agree, and you can look this up, and you probably know more than I do, Ty Cobb was not a saint. Uh, anything but, honestly, by today's standards, Ty and Cobb would have, been, he would have been thrown out of the league years ago. And he's, he's a Hall of Famer. Yep. All right? And if you look at – and this is probably your analogy. If you look at Catfish Hunter, uh, his – some of his stats, he is the uh, he is the closest. I'm sorry, he's not the closest Hall of Famer. I retract that statement. The closest Hall of Famer that you would recognize is one Pedro Martinez with also 216 wins. Mm. Now you may you can now you want to start uh, back and forth on awards. Kurt Schilling has how many World Series wins? Uh, two, I believe. Uh, incorrect. I believe it says three on his uh, baseball reference. Oh, that, you know what? Technically, you're right. He was with the uh, Red Sox in 07. So, yeah, it would have been three. Yeah. Yeah, six World's all, All-Star appearances. He has, uh, take it for what it's worth, an NLCS MVP. He does have the co-World Series MVP he had with um, Randy Johnson. He doesn't really have that many in-season awards. I get it. Um, he placed his highest placing on Cy Young is second, and he did that three times. I mean, and he's got six all-star appearances. I just don't see why he can't get – he doesn't get that bump from the postseason accolades. But – it comes down to basically the BBWIA. How do they want to treat people? Because I'll just I'll just keep going back to that well, and I'll go to the the case in point on the most recent one. Derek Jeter was not a unanimous inductee. No, he should have been. As as I, much as much as the Red Sox fan Emmy wants to sit here and go, no, no, screw Derek Jeter. No, as a baseball fan, he deserved right. to be there. I mean, you're talking and about. I, I'm talking about a guy who was the first ever Yankee to hit 3,000 hits, which shocked me. I thought it did have quite a few guys who did that, at least at least half a dozen. And how many unanimous people do we have inducted? Just one, Mariano Rivera. Okay, so Ken Griffey Jr. wasn't unanimous. Ken no. Griffey Jr. was not unanimous. It's another blasphemous one. Should have been. So so I, I know we, we, we set out on this to be, is Kurt Schilling a Hall of Famer? It really is about the BBWAA and how they treated people. And they hold this, they hold up their gates because player X, uh, what was it? Was it, um, I think it was Babe Ruth. He was not a, a unanimous. And because Babe Ruth wasn't unanimous, well, then nobody else can be. Which is ridiculous because I'm sure this the reason why Derek Jeter was unanimous, and Ken Griffey Jr. was unanimous. Is the same reason why Bear, why uh, Babe Ruth wasn't. Maybe someone didn't like him, or someone didn't like some aspect of his game, or in the case of Kurt Schilling, and maybe some other people way back when, they just didn't like the person. And that's not what it should be. It should be, and they'll give this. Uh, they have a clause in their character clause how they can determine if a player's Hall of Fame worthy. Some of these sports writers aren't exactly 
saints themselves. So I take their opinion with a grain of salt. Yeah, but in fairness, we're not we're not voting on those sports writers. We're voting on the players. Um, I know, but I'm I just want to know. I get what you're saying. I really do, but I mean it's kind of a different animal. But as far as for the longest time not having anyone unanimous, I think it was almost like an an unwritten rule like there's no such thing as a certainty. It was almost like somebody would take one for the team and not vote a player in, even if they knew they were going to be in a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Just so there was no 100%. Just so nobody would ever be 100%. But it's disgusting. I think it's dumb, too. I think if if you think a player is in, it shouldn't be, oh, they can't get a higher percentage than this person. They can't get a higher percentage than that person. They have to be higher than that person. You're in or you're not. If you like the guy, think he should be there, vote for him. None of this BS where it's, oh, he's going to get 93%, but my other favorite player only got 91%, so I can't vote for him. I have to, you know, get his percentage down. That's just stupid. doesn't make any sense. Completely takes out of the, the, uh, it just, it takes away from it when you start adding the political jockeying back and forth. And I think they were making ground by putting uh, Rivera in unanimous. Because as soon as I saw that, I'm like, great, good. We're, We're moving forward. So when we see players that we know, we don't even have to think we know they're Hall of Famers. We're going to put them in. And then what happened? The next person who is unequivocally a Hall of Famer and should have been unanimous came up one vote short, which, by the way, they still haven't figured out who that was because they won't release their ballots. Yeah, and if I was that person, I wouldn't come out and say it either. Right. Um, They're going to hear about that for a long time. And the next, I can't, I don't know the list. The next one coming up i don't know who offhand it would be but there will be one soon enough that's going to be that next unanimous person and the same thing going to happen i mean if mike trout is not a unanimous hall of famer what are we doing what are we doing let's say this if mike trout retires today is he a hall of famer yeah really he's in okay the guy has been he has how many mvps i think two or three think two and he's been top two every season the guys how many seasons though five i don't think that's enough i'm not 100 percent sure but the guy is put up crazy stats already this 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 was the same argument we had though when he went to uh is philip rivers or eli manning hall of famer it's if patrick mahomes gets hurt tomorrow and can't play anymore. People are going to vote him in the Hall of Fame because he had three good seasons. Of course right. not. So I mean, in this world, they might because the way people judge things is ridiculous. But I, I would just think you would need ten to twelve years of Trout being Trout to be able to say, "Yeah, you are." Now, do I think he'll end up being there? Absolutely. Barring injury, this this kid's the most amazing player I've ever seen in my life. If he's not injured, so- if he can stay healthy. Surefire Hall of Famer. Um, so so you've kind of caught my disease a little bit on underselling how many how many years a player's been in the league. He's been in the league nine seasons. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, nine seasons. He's got eight all-star appearances, three MVPs, the rookie of the year, seven silver sluggers, two all-star MVPs, take them for what they're worth. And Every year that he wasn't MVP, with the exception of 2017, he was second in the MVP voting. How many home runs? 
how many home runs? He has 285 home runs. Okay. And 200 stolen bases. So he's currently a 200-200 player. What's his career average so far? It's got to be up around 340. 305. Oh, really? I thought it'd be higher. Okay. That's but still impressive. Here's the, here's the thing, though, and and I will alert fans right now, is your voting your voting um, group are leaning more young, and they have a different metric that they look at. Yeah, it's very true, war. yeah. They look at war. So if by the time you get to um, his end of his career, he might be have the best war ever. Currently, he's ranked uh, 56 with a 72.8. For people that out there, change. people out there unfamiliar, war is a acronym for wins against replacement. Right. And I don't know how they factor it in. I, I, I've read it a couple times, but it's just me and you were in the class. We look at batting average, home runs, RBIs, all that stuff. Because that's what we grew up with. Right. Um, the new kind of style of, of stats, I don't know. I'm not really on board with, I mean, as long as you don't, it doesn't hinge on that stat and you can just use it as a piece. I'm okay with, but you know, the new brethren of, uh, analytics, sabermetrics, they kind of sit on that stat and say, that's the end all be all. Of course we know who are. The president of that is Brian Kenny. Yeah, well, he is the shredder. Uh, yes, he is. All right. So well, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. What's up? Because this, this is this is a person that is very polarizing. It's Barry Bonds belong in the Hall of Fame. I will answer that in one moment. Okay. I wanted to just add something to your Pedro, Kurt Schilling debate. Yep. Pedro has it's gonna sound like I'm going one way here, but I'm going I'm not. I'm I'm actually saying <clears throat> excuse me. I'm actually saying they're they're more even because of the playoffs. Uh Chris Schilling's playoff history. Yep. Uh Pedro higher war by almost four games. Uh actually four and a half games. He has three more wins and forty six fewer losses. Mm-hmm. He has a career ERA under three over a strikeout an inning by by quite a bit, actually, by a few hundred. 2,827 innings, 3,154 strikeouts, and a career whip of just over one. That's insane. Schilling is a, a little bit under in, in these categories. A few less wins. War's a little lower. ERA is about three and a half. A little under a strikeout an inning, a whip of one point one, which is still stellar. But he has three thirty two hundred innings pitched, though. Right, more innings pitched, and absolutely amazing in the playoffs. Eleven and two. Eleven and two with a two point two ERA in the playoffs. One hundred and thirty three innings against the best of the best. Yep. So when I looked at the numbers. At first glance, it said, no, he doesn't belong there. I was guilty of the old way of doing things with, okay, the wins aren't there. He does have the 3,000 strikeouts. But 
I was like, eh, the wins aren't there. I don't know. Never really struck me as somebody who was, besides a few good seasons, like really, really dominant. It was pretty consistent throughout that time, though. And when you add in a postseason record, yes, he's a Hall of Famer. So, that's what you got. I think that's what you have to do because yeah. how did Mike Musina? Did you, did you think Mike Musina was a Hall of Famer? Uh, just by looking at his regular season body of work, no. Right, and and he he's he is one of the people that got in strictly because of his accolades in the playoffs. Like that's he had two. I know he had so he had two hundred seventy wins. So he had more wins than Kurt. Right, but he didn't get that magical three hundred as we as you talked about before. And he doesn't have the strike. He doesn't have the 3,000 strikeouts. So he's got two things against him. So this is another person who, over a long career, especially with the New York Yankees, accumulated World Series victories. Wait, I'm sorry. I apologize, Chris. He did not accumulate a World Series victory. Nope. I didn't realize he didn't join till 01. So he doesn't have the victories in the playoff, uh, the World Series victories in the playoffs. So that's, that's, this is where you have to sit there and look at all the stats collectively. Now, if a player doesn't have the postseason victories, but he has the regular season stats, then great. Then he's, you know, he is the Jim Kelly, if you will, uh-huh. of, of, you know, baseball. Oh, uh, no one, but nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. But nobody wants that. I mean, I can't, I can't pick a guy out of the out of the air that will be a hall as like a surefire hall of famer that has no postseason. Well, if Mike Trout goes the way he's going, he's going to be that antithesis of a player who had no postseason experience because he's got what. One series against the Red Sox. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, didn't and they so got in that swe- series either. Yeah, and they got swept. Yep. So, if unfortunately, if Mike Trout keeps going the way he's going, he'll be the golden standard of accumulate stats over a long career. Which, by the way, he'll probably hit 15, 16 years uh, in his career. Well, he's only seventeen minimum. years old now, so yeah, he should do that just fine. Understandably. Um. Uh, so do you want to answer that question I asked you? Yes. Uh, is Barry Bonds a Hall of Famer? Yes. I agree. Now, what is your th- – why do you think he is? Because our, diff- our opinions are probably going to differ. I think he is. Now, I'm not a fan. I want to say that right up front. Never really cared for his attitude. I know he had the recent comments to the to the writer about – which which the writer admitted he took out of context, so they weren't as dramatic as Bonds made, as they made it sound like they were originally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the numbers are there, the, you know, just under three thousand hits, just under two thousand RBIs, five hundred plus stolen bases, two ninety eight career average. Uh, I mean, almost ten thousand at bats. I know you said at bats don't mean anything; you might not have hit anything. At those in those at bats, but to have the longevity and consistency to be able to just get ten thousand plate appearances is pretty incredible. 
And then the elephant in the room, the 762 yes. home runs, which some people would still say is not better than Hank Aaron because of the alleged steroid abuse. Um, I mean, there's that. And the, the baseball purist in me wants to say, no, he doesn't belong in there because he cheated. But if you look at his numbers before he gained, before he leveled up and gained like 30% body mass all of a sudden, he was already a Hall of Famer. Correct. He was he was already in before any of this stuff allegedly happened. Before he before he left Pittsburgh, he had three. Am I looking at three? No, two MVPs. A second place MVP, two All Star games, three Gold Gloves, three Silver Sluggers, Rookie of the Year at age twenty one, and just compiling stats like crazy. And let's remember, when he was younger, he was a stolen base, a, a speedy guy. Yeah, five, base, 514. And obviously, at the end of his career, it kind of tailed off, but he accumulated those at the beginning of his career. And he was a center fielder for a good portion of time, and then he moved, obviously, to right field. But he's – I think – Stat-wise, he belongs in. You want to make the argument about steroids, legitimate or not. Uh, he belongs in because Bud Selig's So if you want to go down that road that he took steroids, which is debatable because it's only reportedly that he took steroids. There's no proof. Bud Selig's in. He allowed that whole era to happen. He, that whole era saved him in his entire reign as commissioner. Right. That saved him. Baseball was dead in the water after the strike. If it wasn't for these guys juicing up, allegedly, air quotes, right? you would have never seen the revival and the rebirth you saw in the mid to late 90s that you did. McGuire Sosa, that, that year put baseball back on the map. And then a few years later, Barry Bonds... Put put, um, if you want to, an asterisk on the whole uh, home run record, but he he put it down. Like there were there were times when he would get one pitch in four at bats, and he'd take a yard. And I, and I just want to state the obvious here: I've never taken any kind of steroids or anything like that. Even if I did. It still does not give me the ability to hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. You still have to be good enough to make contact. I know people are going to say, oh, but he cheated, but he cheated. Okay. You you can jump on that soapbox if you want because everybody else and every other form of entertainment where that much money is on the line is is just an angel, and they're good and they're pure, and they go to church every day, and they, you know, help kittens down from trees, never do anything wrong. Or can we go back to our argument you made about Ty Cobb being in the Hall of Fame? not being such a quality person of character. Right. So and that's just one, that's just one that's just, person. That's one. That's one big one. You probably know more in history wise on players who were not exactly saints that are in the hall of fame. Oh, it's, and it's you have with them littered with them. And, and you have, you, know, you got to take it for what it's worth. Jose Canseco. He had his, his book come out years ago. And he says, 
matter of fact, there are players in the Hall of Fame right now that took steroids. Absolutely. There's no way there wouldn't be. There's just no way there wouldn't be. And I mean, like I said, people can jump on their soapbox and say, oh, but Bond, he cheated. He did this. Was he a jerk? Absolutely. Was he hard to deal with? Absolutely. Would he come off like an arrogant a-hole? Absolutely. He should still be in the Hall of Fame. So should Roger Clemens. Right. It's about the stats on the field. And if if Roger, not Roger Goodell, uh, if Bud Selig was going to allow and not just by Selick. Let's not let's not give these other people off the hook. The GMs probably knew. Oh yeah. Owners, I don't know. Some Team of them doctors. don't pay attention. Team doctors knew. Other players knew that didn't want to take them. Which I understand. You don't want to take them. Don't take them. But you perpetuated this this narrative that nowadays that you didn't have before because you wanted to revive the game. Exactly. That's. Simple, exactly. in fact, you you wanted to revive this game. Turned a blind eye to all did. of it in order to save themselves. And you you have tons of Hall of Famers that most likely took steroids. If it makes you feel better, put it put it in a separate wing of time period between what nineteen ninety to whenever they started testing. If that makes you feel better. But personally, they belong in because if you're going to put Ty Cobb and people like that back in the day in the Hall of Fame and you're going to leave him there, then he belo- Barry Bonds belongs in it. Roger Clemens belongs in there. I'll fight you on whether Jose uh, – not Jose, uh, Sammy Sosa or McGuire because I don't think either one of them belong in there. Uh, I'd, I'd argue McGuire. I don't think Sosa, but I'd argue McGuire. Well, you know what? Before I say that, let me look at the numbers, and I can get back to you. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't prepared. I didn't have to prepare for this test, so we will. Uh, I'll look at the numbers between the next show, and I'll get back to you on that one. Well, that was our uh, Hall of Fame debate. Now, another question that that stemmed from a question from Tim: Do we think Schilling's Hall of Famer? You know, respond to Bonds. Another question he had. Yep. Who do you think had the best rotation? I I think he meant of all time and then currently. I can't go of all time because I didn't see every pitching staff of all time. So I went according to the best I ever saw personally. And then and that's where I Okay, that's you, where I went. That's to. where I went too, because I can't really comment on what I didn't what I don't know. Uh, I can read up on history books and tell you all the greats of the game from, you know, Christy Mathewson to Walter Johnson. And all those, all, all those legends, all, all the way up to guys like Koufax. I never actually watched all those guys pitch. So I went on who I felt was the best I ever saw. And then who I feel is the best rotation currently. Right. Sounds like that's what you did too. Yeah. So if you had, we'll, we'll do, we'll do current before we get into history. If you had to pick any pitching staff from top to bottom, Yep. Currently, as the best in their current state, and mind you, health wise, who do you go with? This was tough because I'm I'm a supporter of starting pitching. I believe you need to have starting pitching. So what the Rays do, and unfortunately, 
what the Red Sox are probably going to end up doing uh, is the same thing. And what the Milwaukee Brewers tend to do that whole opener. I hate, BS. I hate that so much. I hate that so much. I literally, Chris, I literally went through all the teams. I shook my head at a lot of teams because a lot of it disgusted me. There were a lot of teams that had, you looked at number one, number two, and it's just like, what the hell happened? So if they were fully healthy, I would have won with the Yankees. Really? If they were fully healthy. Okay. But you have Paxton injured and Luis Severino is on the shelf with a Tommy John. So I have to disqualify them. I would have considered the Mets, but after Noah Syndergaard went down with Tommy John surgery, had to discount, disclude them. that. That's exactly what I did too. I had them as number one until I heard about Syndergaard. Then I was, you have to take them down, knock them down a few pegs so, after that. As much as I struggle with this, I have to go with the LA Dodgers. Yeah, same here. I think it's the only you answer. Did? That's the only answer. I mean, you can't even – I couldn't even fight for the Red Sox no. because, again, it's the same point. Chris Sale went down with Tommy John injury. So the Red Sox are disqualified. Uh, the Houston Astros, great. You have – you have um, who are the two on the top? Uh, Verlander and Zach Greinke. But guess what you didn't have anymore? Garrett Cole. So you just you keep going around the league, and I I, I looked at the Minnesota Twins, and I kind of liked what they were doing, but Jose Barrios is he that elite status? I don't know. This will be a make or break year to find out. It will be. Yeah. I he even has looked to do at something the, special this year. I even looked at the Chicago White Sox because they built depth, but their guys you don't you don't know what they are yet. The they're minor leaguers. You are the the guys that are kind of new, Lucas Giolito, you don't know what he is yet. They had uh, Gio Gonzalez and Dallas Keuchel as their two and three. Ah, where are they? We don't know. You know, Dallas is kind of getting up there, and he doesn't really have a fastball. So if he gets beaten around, your pitching staff is in shambles, and Michael Kopech's coming back, but he's coming off Tommy John. You don't know what he's going to be. Right. And you don't know if he's going to blow it out again. So the Dodgers realistically are the only ones that you look top to bottom. And I don't know about you. I went starting rotation, but even if you factor in the bullpen. Yeah, I only went starting rotation, but yeah, with bullpen, they're solid too. Right. I mean, we don't, we know Clayton Kershaw is kind of going the other way, but he's still Clayton Kershaw. He's still got some game left. Dude, Clayton Kershaw is listed as their number two starter. That should tell you something. Uh, on MLB.com, they have them listed number one. And where I went, they have Walker Burley first, and then Clayton Kershaw, David Price, but, Julio Urias, and then Alex Wood. Right. That same rotation I have, except Flip, uh, Kershaw, and Walker Bueller. But the Walker Bueller I call is them clearly... Burley. <laughs> Bueller, yeah. <laughs> but he's clearly ascending to elite status. And we know David Price still has game. And I think that atmosphere lends more to what he likes. Oh, absolutely. Have yeah, like, for sure. He'll have like two or three reporters to talk to him. Maybe that's it. Uh, Julio Rios, we, he is 
been a top prospect for the Dodgers for a long time. Played well last year, not great, but well. And it seems like he'll take the next step. Alex Woods, your, number, your typical number five, you'll get probably a 50-50 deal out of him. Which with, well, what we have at the top of that rotation, 50-50 for number five is fine. And it's the Dodgers. They have endless money. They'll If they want to, they'll go sp- go make a trade and spend money for it. Cause they have like, they have a plethora of depth. It's disgusting to look at it. Really. Cody Bellinger should be their starting first baseman, but he's playing center field. Yeah. And then, like, the, Sox, I don't know what this then is. the Sox go and trade a Mookie bets for a bag of balls. Right. Oh my God. That's disgusting. And they still have Jock Peterson yeah. who, if they sit on him now, we don't know what this season is going to be like, but imagine if it was a regular season, they'd have Jock Peterson at the trading deadline when they can say, okay, what do we need to go get? Right. Because they still have depth. And apparently they're going to bring up their um, – I'm sorry we're deep diving into the Dodgers, but they're going to bring up Gavin Lux as their starting second baseman, another young kid. Uh, they just have so much depth that they could literally trade away a player, still have their team – to bump up their rotation, which is what they probably would, would have done if it was a normal season. So there's nobody, there's really nobody else pitching rotation wise close to the Dodgers. Maybe the Nats, but even then. Yeah, I think once you get past the first two with them, it's it's quite a steep drop off. And they overpaid for Patrick Corbin. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, Do- uh, the Dodgers, like you said, th- three deep. You have uh, Walker Bueller. I almost called him Burley again. Walker Bueller. Clayton Kershaw, David Price, like you said, can absolutely still go, especially in a more relaxed atmosphere like L.A. Yeah. Julio Urias, I know I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. You got it. He, like you said, he's been a top prospect, but most top prospects, when you bring them up, you're kind of bringing them up because you have a need. Like, you're, you're, I mean, you're trying to fill a need. Like, you, you lost your ace, or you need to see what the kid has. Is a top pitching prospect who can just come up and be the number four on a team with a great offense? You want to talk about something that is conducive to being able to develop as a young player without stress? You have three outstanding pitchers in front of you, arguably the best lineup in baseball around you. You're the number four starter in a city that really only cares when September or October rolls around. And he pitched last year out of the bullpen, and then... In one of the highest stake series in 2009, 2018, sorry, he was coming out of the bullpen against the Red Sox in the series. And it wasn't bad. Uh, unfortunately, I think they wore him out a little too much in that series. But there's also other things that David Roberts did in that series that didn't make any sense, like Cody Ballinger didn't play the entire series. Which, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of head scratchers there. Like, you want to play matchups, great, but I didn't see Mookie Betts sitting any time during that series. Well, he will be now if he's a Dodger, so. Uh, yes, he will. Um, but, yeah, that's it, – it's it's the Dodgers, and then there's a couple teams close second not – even, not even close second, like a second place – and we don't know, you know, there's always a, there's always a player or two that come up and, you know, 
make an ascension really quickly. Uh, I even looked at the Oakland Athletics. I like a couple of their pieces, Frankie Montez and um, Sean Manaya. And they got a, a couple other pieces. You know what Billy Bean does out there. He'll take reclamation reclamation projects and spit them out and shoot them out as trades. Yeah, they don't have a bad rotation, but there's just a lot. There's it's just disappointing to see starting rotation kind of be devalued, and the 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 closer or the the relief is just where it's at right now, unfortunately. Oh, it's like you said, that whole new the whole new stat structure, the Saber metrics, all the new stats they have for, you know, trying to analyze talent in baseball is essentially killing the modern pitching rotation. Yeah. It really is. Which, it's a shame. But which is why you have to go now off holds instead of saves. Because yeah. who's getting who I unfortunately the way it's trending, two or three years, saves are gonna be non existent or at least not thought of the same. Uh, it's going to wreak havoc on fantasy baseball stats. Ugh. All right. So we have fluffed the Dodgers up enough here. Yeah, I think we can move on from them. In your albeit mind. They, what's up? Yeah, go ahead. I said, albeit they have had a rough time in the World Series the past few years. Well, once, I mean, once once the games really matter, they, they fold. That's true. Um, Best pitching rotation you've ever seen okay all right chris so i looked at four teams okay i'll just mention the four teams and then i'll just dig into the one that i think is the best you have the 2012 san francisco giants 2004 boston red sox the 2013 detroit tigers and the 1995 atlanta braves Okay. I went I went with the San Francisco Giants of 2012. Uh, they now, understandably, mo- all these rotations literally went full full seasons. So all four, all five of these starting pitchers: Matt Cain, Mad Bum, Ryan Vogelson. Tim Lincecum and Barry Zuto all pitched, started 30 plus games. Now, unfortunately, this was the decline, beginning decline of the freak Tim Lincecum. But Barry Zuto had a plus 500 season at age 34. Vogelson had a career season. Mad Bum was Mad Bum. Matt Kane. Probably the last year of his uh, of his stature at the top of that rotation. It was a collection of talented players that ran through the NL and had. Because I think I listened. Did I listen to that one on the radio? I don't remember if I did or not. But that team, that starting rotation just just made an impression, especially Ryan Vogelsong, because he had a career year. Because he was one of those journeyman pitchers that just ascended. And obviously, I don't think he did much after that. But sometimes it just takes one season to sure. make an impact. And I just that was it because it was that was that that 
in that middle, I think was was that that was the third. Was that the third World Series victory for the Giants? Because it was like every other year they were winning the World Series. I believe that was the second. I don't remember. But it just all the other teams. I mean, they they look. They have stacked players. But I think you have to take some credit in that. A young young 22-year-old Madison Bumgarner, a journeyman Ryan Vogelsong, a bloated contract in Barry Zito, and Matt Cain, who was pretty good at the time, and a declining, albeit somewhat effective, Tim Lincecum, kind of put them in the driver's seat and made history. And I think that uh, that just gives you kind of a miracle season because you didn't really expect, I don't think, you really didn't expect the Giants with that construct of an of a pitching staff. Because Barry Zito was on his way out. And Lidzikam not performing – like they relied on him to be the ace for a long time, or well, not not a long time, a short time, but for his age to drop off, because he dropped off very quickly. Yeah, he hit a cliff real quick. Yeah, I just think that was that was just a moment in history where you just saw a team just ascend the entire series, the entire season. And just grab the World Series and win it. But I just, I just like what they did. Yeah, Zito hit a cliff real quick. I remember when him and Mulder and uh, Hudson, him Mulder and Hudson were were up there in, in uh, uh, Oakland. Just, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how they didn't win World Series. Honestly, we get to a short a short series or uh, a five game series, you only have to win three. That was their window right there with those three studs up there, but. That is uh interesting. Okay. Um you said the ninety five Braves. I did, because that was the year they won the World Series. I didn't pick a team that won the World Series, but for my money, this was Red Sox weren't so good back then. Uh-huh. And you had cable, you turned on TBS, you saw the Braves almost every night. Of course. So while I was a Sox fan, the Braves weren't in direct competition, so I liked watching them. I went to 93 Braves. Why the 93 Braves? Best rotation I ever saw. Well, Maddox, Glavin, okay. Avery, Smoltz. Smoltz was bringing up the rear at 15 and 11 with a 3.6 ERA. Glavin, Maddox, both over 20 wins. Maddox had an ERA of 2.3. With 35 starts. And this is back in the day oh. when you pitch complete games. So right. you're not you're not talking about an opener pitching two weddings or or pitching just a minimal five and throwing 150 pitches in five innings and then getting out of there. No, you're talking about a real number one who could go out there every fifth day, pitch a seven to nine innings, and give you a real legit chance to win. Then you had Steve Avery. Also, sub-3 ERA, 18 wins. Uh, I did mention Glavin was over 20. He actually had 22. 
Mm-hmm. All four of them had at least 35 starts that year. Okay. And they had an ERA that was uh, about half a point lower combined than the second best team in the NL. Okay. Uh, they didn't win at all. Wow. But you just felt like every single time you saw one of those guys take the mound, they had a chance to win. Uh, and quite frankly, that's a team that really should have won, to be honest with you. Now, who was their number five starter? Uh, you know what? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I actually didn't look that up. I saw those four, and no. I got a. I knew it was one of those early, early uh, Braves dynasty, you know, quote unquote teams. Yeah. That I was going to choose with that pitching staff. I mean, I, I've always been a fan of those guys. Uh, the, the rotation, at least, I've been a, I've been a Sox fan, so not the Braves themselves, but just those pitchers. It was it was always fun watching them as a baseball fan. Uh, so I got all excited when I saw those stats and didn't actually look up the number five starter. Yeah. Well, I mean, looking at the 95, that uh, that was the one I looked at because they won. Yeah, the starts are down from the season before. Um, Avery fell off. He had a sub – he had a 7-13 and 13 record that year. Uh, Glad uh, – Maddox was better than he was in 93. But Glavin and Smoltz weren't as dominant. And they had Kent Merker as their number five starter who was sub 500 as well. So, yeah, I mean, the stat-wise, yeah, that that team is probably better than the team that won two years later. And, again, for me, like I said, that's the best I ever saw. Just I remember watching oh, yeah. them so well. Like, when you start getting down into all those really detailed numbers, it's all subjective. But yeah. for me, you know, I can't you – can, you can judge some of those teams from the 60s, 70s, early 80s and say, oh, they were better. They had this guy and that guy. And that's fine if you're old enough to – I've seen those teams play and those pitchers pitch. Yeah. And hey, hit us up and let us know. You know, I think it's this team. I think it, you know, what your opinion is. You think we're did right you consider, we're wrong? Let us know. Did you consider the 04 Sox? No, only I didn't only because I looked through it with rose colored glasses. Okay. Because I'm a Sox fan. I know. Every, everything all four in, in that 04 season is just rosy and wonderful and and you know, I can't look at it and not be biased. So I kind of I didn't even consider that because of that. I mean, four five starters that were all above five hundred, all, and they all started at least twenty nine games. Oh, they were great, really great, great rotation. But I do I do want to give a quick shout out to the thirteen Tigers. That was a nasty rotation. Verlander. Max Scherzer, Doug Fister, Annabelle Sanchez, and Rook Barcelo. Unfortunately for them, David Ortiz is on the Red Sox. Yeah. That didn't quite work out for them because they couldn't pitch. So they unfortunately didn't even make the World Series, much less win it. But I like your team. I like I like who you picked. Um, but I still stand with the uh, 2012 uh, Giants. Okay. Hey, that's, you know, and I believe that was, uh, was it 93 or 91 was Chipper Jones' rookie year. I was always a big you Chipper Jones me. fan too, so. Yeah, you were. Yeah, I always loved Chipper. You were a Chipper Jones fan and mm, I bleed Ken Griffey Jr. Yep. yep. That's my guy. 
All right. Well, that was uh, insightful. Sorry, I'm trying to transition from one topic to another while switching documents on my computer here, and it's not working out with for me. Oh, there I'll we help are. you out. I got please. you. Okay. You got it? Yep. So, on to a segment we started last week, asking our fans for just any question you can think of. Okay. Anything fun, funny, uh, ridiculous, you know, something that will lighten the mood from all the negativity and, and, and scariness you probably see when you turn on the news. And, well, they, they, they came through. Let's just say that. Uh, get to that page here. Still not cooperating. There we go. Okay. We did some last time. Some of these are still from last time. A few of them are new. Some are sports related. Some aren't. Some are completely off the wall. But we're going to approach them like we're approaching breaking down the sports question. So, all right. We'll start with a sports related one to kind of warm us up here. Tim asks, what are the coolest uniforms in baseball, past or present? I don't uh, You go first. I don't, I don't really know. Not the best team, not the whatever. I'm going with the, with the original Marlins, the teal uniforms. I, I always nice. love those. Those are cool. That, that color scheme should not have worked on baseball uniforms underneath the bright <laughs> lights. That should have looked ridiculous. It should have looked like you bought them at a yard sale and just sold them together yourself. They were cool. They looked nice. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I probably am, but I always like those. Uh, if you if you put me in a corner and told me I had to pick somebody, I'd have to say the Seattle Mariners. Okay. Uh, probably more than 90s Seattle Mariners. Yeah, the older school ones, yeah. I guess that's just because I'm a huge fan of Griffey, but I don't know. I like them. Okay. Actually, I had I actually had a Griffey shirt when I was younger. I don't know where it's at. Probably gone. Well, that's a shame. Okay, next question. What is better for recreational purposes, fresh water or salt water? That's obvious. Yeah, I think so. Dude. Salt yeah, water. no, fresh water, dude. So, 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 salt fresh water. Fresh water all day, man. It, it's salt water all day. Fresh water. Okay. Give me a reason why you think it's fresh water. Well, first of all, ridiculous individual. As <laughs> I know you said ridiculous, but the audio cut out for a minute and it sounded like you said something else. Oh, my bad. No, it's okay. I'm leaving it in. I'm not even going to edit it because you didn't mean to. So we'll see if anybody else heard it. I'm going to go fresh water only because there's no tide. You don't, you don't have to worry about. You want to go to a freshwater lake? For, for whatever activity you're going to do. As long as it's not raining out, you're good. You don't have to worry about high tide, low tide. You don't have to uh, balance the whatever time of the year it is with uh, the moon's gravitational pull to see when the water's going to be there and when it's not going to be there. It's just always there. It's fresh water. Plus, a lot less sand. And who's been to the beach knows what I'm talking about. I'll leave it at that. Okay, I have to counter this ridiculous statement that you just made. First off, as much as it is, it is a pain with the sand. You cannot construct 
you cannot construct a, a fresh lake, beautiful sandcastles, if you, you don't have sand. The tides. First, I'm not a surfer. But if you are a surfer, then you love the tides. You love the surf. And there is, I, I don't drink salt water, obviously, because you, you, you shouldn't drink salt water. But there's a sort of a aroma, appeal to going to a oceanfront and taking in that saltwater air and yeah, just it smells, just it smells like the dumpster behind a fish uh, fish store. Is that is that an innuendo to what place I'm actually talking about, Chris? I don't know. Okay, because I thought maybe you were getting somewhere with the whole New Jersey Shore. Oh no, no, that's no, okay. it's because that's is for at least six summers. I'd always go to the Jersey Shore. Well, I'm sorry and for that. that. Was, but no, it was fun. No, I'm sure it was before the TV show ruined it for everyone. Uh, yes, that's true. I, I don't support that show. Oh, I know, I know. Trust me, we wouldn't be but we wouldn't the, be doing this podcast it, if you did. But it, it's just, it's just, it bring a it brings back memories of of good times on the beach, and it just it just there's a different feel because I've been at lakes before uh, when I was at summer camp. I've been there. There's just not that pool. There's not that that I don't know what I'm looking for, but it just the ambiance, the feeling. Yeah, there you go. Thank you for helping. Here's the thing. The funny thing is, you just said all the things surrounding the water. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. Like, and I know I said about how you know salt water, it always it always stinks, and there's no special like smell when you get close to the ocean. There definitely is, and that's definitely a huge drawing point. I love going. I, I love Maine. Maine's my favorite place in the world. And I would, uh, if I hit the lottery, I would be off to there in a heartbeat. Because um, I can do podcasts from my very, very nice, in the middle of nowhere, main main house, without a problem. Yes. Um. But... No, as far as just the water itself, as far as like the comfort level when you're in there, when you get out of it, I I, just, I always feel weird when I've been in salt water for too long. I don't feel weird when I've been in fresh water for all that long. But as far as everything, literally everything else you mentioned surrounding the salt water or fresh water, yeah, I can't argue it. I, I I would go to I would go to the beach before I just go to like a freshwater body of water. With the exception of maybe a few places that are special for other reasons, um, yeah. But the water itself, I go fresh water. Okay. Different perspective, different of opinion, but well, I mean, I, I, I can I can understand. I mean, our fans spoke, and I clearly won the hot dog argument last time. So I mean, it's it's really okay. It's okay. Really no, no, you didn't. Really no, no, you didn't win it. There was no. Back me up, guys. Back me up. I, I understand. I heard from a couple people that said it was ridiculous of me to say. Yeah, people know what they're talking about. People know what they're talking about. But it's a it's a sandwich. And not according to the people. Get over it. I thought you said you were the man of the people, and the people spoke. And now you're going to argue with that point. Well, yes, because yeah. if I'm See? right, then I'm going to yeah. argue with ben, them, and I'm going to let them know what I think. Yeah. Ben's a man of the people as long as you don't disagree with them. Exactly. See, you said it exactly the way it should be said. <laughs> All right. So next we have. 
why is my cat such a jerk? Uh, because all I, cats I think are jerks. Simple, that's yeah. just all the way they are. are. That's just what they do. Like they, they don't care. Uh, I saw uh, there was a coffee mug years back, and they said uh, if cats could talk to you, they would lie. That's just how they are. Like they 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 don't need you. They're not like dogs. Dogs want you around all the time. Dogs love you no matter what. Cats. Cats are great. Don't get me wrong. I love animals in general. So I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not anti-cat. But you're far more likely to find a cat who's an a-hole than a dog. Correct. That is factual statement. I've had cats when I was younger, and every single one of them didn't. It couldn't care less what you wanted them to do or what they. You know, what did you want them to do? But the second they needed something, there they are. Going up your on your leg, sitting on your lap, wanting to be pet. Want they really want? They just want food. Waking you, yeah, exactly. It really what it all comes down to. Waking you up, they waking you up at four a.m. because they can see the bottom of their food bowl, even though they have three quarters of a cup still. Yeah, that's exactly. That's, just, that's the cat. They're real dicks. But when 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 their food is fine and you're all, they're all set, uh, they couldn't care less what you are. You're not a person to them. You're not even a thing to them. They're just. You're just in the way sometimes. Nobody else, nobody but, else can see this, but there, there's a video feed to this also. I can see. Ben is highly distraught. There are some repressed cat memories with this guy here. So I think we struck well, I, I, I mean, sometimes, yeah, they're, they're, the cats, I've had some scratches from cats just being a-holes. All right. Final question. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting one. I think it's an easy answer. But All right, shoot. Final question: Is cheerleading a sport? No. What? No. I equate cheerleading to NASCAR racing. Both of them are activities. Actually, in in the in the bar or or meter of of actual sport, cheerleading will be higher than NASCAR because I almost consider NASCAR a I know it's going to piss, piss some people off. A leisure activity. Well, I don't know how leisurely it is sweating your balls off for four hours going 300 miles an hour on a track, but. Yeah, you know, uh, turn left, turn left four times. Hey, I, I tell you what, though, man, you've driven in Western Massachusetts for a long time. That'd be a chore mm-hmm. for a lot of the people we see on our daily drive every day. Um, Cheerleading is absolutely a sport. 100% without question. You know how athletic these people have to be? I'm not disputing uh, on it being re- like levels of athleticism. I will never in my life see. So I cannot come out here and say, you're not a sport. It's, it's, totally a sport. It's active. It's uh, moving around. It's coordinated. You're on a team. hundred percent sport. It's an activity much like golf. No, is, being, negative much like pod, being negative and podcasting are activities, which you have mastered. Well, I'm, I, I like to be gifted at something, but um, it's not, I'm not downplaying cheerleading. It, it's an activity, it's not, but not what, and and I put it, I put it higher on a sports list than I do golf and NASCAR. It's no wonder, but it's no wonder just people like it's me more. not. Uh, I'm over that because I, I people have hated me all, oh, all my life. T- don't so t- don't I, take a turn in a negative bill. I haven't been over. I'm over no, that. No, no, no. Let's so, not start that. It, well, let's not start. Just, we're not going to start with the "Woe is Ben" segment. It's not always me. It, it's just, I just don't see 
how it's a sport. It's an activity, yes, and they do some crazy stuff, and I and that, I get that. It's just not a sport, dude. If you're going to put curling in the Olympics, cheerleading's a sport. No, but I never said anything about curling. I know. Like curling's in there because it's always been there, which maybe they should reconsider pulling it out. But I don't know. But I, I just don't consider it a sport. Just like I don't consider golf a sport. I don't consider NASCAR a sport. But let me define that. I consider IndyCar racing a sport because there's more ability. You need more abilities in in IndyCar racing because they actually don't go in a big circle. Whereas NASCAR, it's a big freaking it's an oval, but whatever. Well, over whatever. Four left turns, whoop de doo. You get enough practice at it, anybody can do it. I don't think Siri could do it. She can't give directions for anything. Which is why I put cheerleading higher because that is that is a dedication that most people don't have. I sure as hell don't. Whereas NASCAR, golf. If anyone wants to argue golf is a sport, please come to can, me. Can, okay, if you're not if you're not going to give them credit for being sports, can you and you say their activities? You you can at least please. understand and appreciate the level of skill it takes to do them well. Okay. Yes, at least we can get that much out of you. Because Tiger Woods it, it took a took golf and put it at another level. They, he pushed some of the top four sports to make a run for their money. I don't think he ever got, well, he might've got above NHL, but as far as like MLB, NFL, NBA, he never got quite above them. But when you think golf, you think one person, Tiger Woods. And in modern times. Yeah. I'd agree with that. But it, 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 there's just, I just can't put, I just can't make cheerleading a sport. I just can't. Well, we're going to have there. to agree to disagree on that one. Much like the rest of our topics. Besides, I think the only thing we agreed on were cats or jerks, which I think we can pretty much unanimously agree on that. Yeah, they are. But uh, I'm, I'm good if you're all set. Yeah, I'm all set. That is going to wrap it up for us. Please let us know if you have any opinions or thoughts on any of our topics today. And Ben, where can they do that? Uh, they can hit us up on Twitter. That's Ben Chris Talk F01. Or they can hit us up on Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Football. Actually. I forgot to tell you this. As of today, I changed our Twitter handle to BCTSPod. That's our handle, BCTSPod. And we are at Ben and Chris Talk Sports. For Ben, I am Chris. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Keep your head on straight. We'll see you right back here Friday morning. Thank you.